and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, a podcast where we take a subject each week, something that interests us, something that might be in your news, and we'll cast some views. Um, this week, I think I've probably got COVID again, Dan. Yes, you probably have, haven't you? <laughs> so Lou has just... been copying his, <laughs> his proverbial guts up. Yeah, I've, I've been trying my absolute best um, to get it all out just before the episode starts. But if you do at some point just hear a random bout of silence from me, which is rather unusual, then that's probably because I've muted my microphone to have my fit and then come back. So Dan's probably going to have an amazing time editing this episode. This is going to be the easiest one for people to, to recognise. So Lou is the one who's going to be coughing throughout in his first Get Worse. And me, Dan, here is going to be the one who sounds sprightly throughout. There exactly. Goes, already muted. Yeah. yeah, I already muted while Dan was having his little. I was just like, while he's having his monologue, let me go, let me go. Except I've had some wine before we start recording, so I think I'm already <laughs> starting to get sleepy. So. <laughs> this week, how have you been, just generally speaking, then, before we get into it? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. We've. It's going to be weird the way I think I'm releasing them. So we obviously just recently recorded with. Um, Leo and we had a good episode, which I can't wait. We won't spoil it, but I can't wait for people to hear that there'll be some. Well, I'm I'm wondering if this might be one of the first episodes that gets us quite a bit of a, a contact. I'm hoping. For. Yeah, will will this be our first one star review? Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, well, certain fandoms. Yeah, listening. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's all right. It's um, you know, it's just chilling. I'm I'm plowing my way through the sweets that I bought for the trick or treaters at Halloween, knowing full well that we weren't going to get any trick or treaters, but I always do it because you know, just in case. So. Actually, I, I didn't tell you. I put I did put it on Twitter. I bought you know these fun size bags of Snickers and Milky Ways and Mars bars, things like that. Bought one of those. First pack I pull out was a, a bag of Maltesers. It was sealed but empty. <laughs> sealed but empty. And and I added Maltesers and they've still not heard. They didn't respond. How frustrating was that? Sealed. So nobody had opened it. Nobody had taken it. That's just where the portion sizes are going, though, isn't it? Let's be honest. If that's not fate telling me, yeah, no, you don't want to be eating more chocolate. <laughs> and, and also, can I just say, where you've turned around and said bought chocolates for the trick-or-treaters I know that haven't come, I definitely know that you're sitting with all the lights off, right, with the <laughs> curtains closed, knowing full well that you don't want anyone knocking on your door, so that's how you're presenting it, but you've still bought the sweets anyway. <laughs> I'm recording this under the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can confirm now. I can see Dan, he sat with candlelight. <laughs> How's your week been? Um, yeah, all right, apart from the fact that I feel like a bag of shit, but what can you do? It's one of those things, unfortunately. I feel like I've gone through a real huge journey. If, if anybody listens to the episodes and can plot um, both instances where I've had COVID, <laughs> my broken elbow, me likely having COVID now again, um, it'd be fantastic because I feel like there's more time I've spent with COVID while we've been recording these than without. It, it, it is funny, isn't it? And how many... I wonder how many other podcasts where they'll look back and think that this is real moment in time. Because, yeah, because I had it for a couple of episodes. It hit me when we did the, the Sean Louis, right? And yeah. I, I didn't want to cancel it because I felt really bad that day. And then we had Antonio, didn't we? <laughs> and, and like I said, um, again, I felt bad for that, but I was so out of it on that episode. <laughs> so between the two of us, it is it, yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting period of time where people look back and see how many how many other pods have been affected by 
illness during this time for so long. Yeah, and you know what though, it's actually a cool thing, and we're like again like getting off on a tangent before we've even started. But it'll be a cool thing, do you know, to turn around and be like, "What was the coronavirus pandemic like?" Be like, "Well, listen to our podcast episodes because we fucking had it while we were doing." Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah, listen to episodes uh, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> And the thing is, it could just be now colds, isn't it? Because, you know, two years of isolation and, and not mixing. And now colds are probably back in, in circulation. Right? Yeah, that's what it is. Like, my body's like that meme where it's like, nobody panic, nobody panic. <laughs> my immune system's freaking out. Um, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like contact with the outside world, germs. Right, before we get into the episode fully, which is, we're going to tease just before our little promo, um, it's about controversial, extreme television, I think is the way that we're going to present it. Yeah, I think we we really enjoyed our chat on reality TV, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Like I said, the way I'm releasing these from the way we recorded it is actually going to be our last episode. And I think you've wanted to do kind of something about this extreme TV and TV that wouldn't be allowed almost yeah. nowadays for a while, haven't you? And And I think you really like the idea of following it on. And yeah, I think it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think that it's, it's an interesting one. It leads on nicely from our reality TV uh, series. But prior to that, I will hand over to you because I know that you've got the official bits to do before we kick into it. The housekeeping, the promo. So, yeah, so a promo from a friend of ours. And actually, this friend is going to be, hopefully, again, if we can get everything signed off he'll be appearing on our show in a couple of weeks um so it's justin from the movie wire so justin has a weekly podcast reviewing movies his reviews are really funny if he really dislikes a film i'm not going to say a couple of um comments he's done because you just have to listen to him but he's got a certain way of putting his dislike for certain films At the time of recording, it's the Halloween episode. So the way he describes, um, he's reviewing the Terrifier too. So yeah, he's got some choice choice uh, phrases in that. So yeah, we'll hear from him now. And yeah, hopefully you'll hear from him on our show. But yeah, check out Justin on The Movie Wire. In a world with so many movies to choose from, one man has created the go-to podcast for reviews of hot and trending movies so you know what's worth your time. The Movie Wire Podcast with host Justin Henson. Hear Justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in to The Movie Wire today. And we're back from Dan's housekeeping. (laughs) Right, now, this episode, I don't know if you want to kick it off to begin with or you want me to kick it off to begin with. But yeah, it's kind of going to be a controversial, extreme television. Stuff that we'd look at and think, fuck, how did they do that? Um, there's a lot to pick from, to be fair. It's a wide, t- it's, a, it's really, really broad. The problem is there's too much. I've chosen ones that I remember. Well, two I definitely remember watching. The other I remember as a kid hearing about it, so I've covered it. Um, but there are just so many that, we're not even gonna gonna touch now. I'm happy to start off if you want because I've got lighthearted, very serious, lighthearted. Whereas I think yours is gonna start serious and just progress in serious le- levels, possibly. So do you want me to kick off? Do you want yeah, me to kick go off on then. Kick off with something right. lighthearted, and then I'll drag the uh, I'll, I'll drag it down. <laughs> I'm gonna start with a program called The Word. You're going to have obviously been too young for it, but I don't know if you've even heard of it. So it was, if I remember right, it aired between 1993 and 95. I like to call them like a magazine show, if you know what I mean, where it's um, it's a little bit of everything. It, but it was aimed at 
It was aimed at a certain market, and when I say that, so it aired on a Friday night. I think it was around 11 o'clock or half 11 at night. So it was at the time when the pubs had a kicking out time. So it was it was appealing to the late teens, early <laughs> 20s, drunk. You've been out, you've got pissed, and you settled down for this. Now, it was actually a really interesting show. Firstly, I've actually written down here banging theme tune because it had one of the best. It's um, 808 State, who I still I still love. So it had a great tune. Certain elements of it are going to be quite problematic, but it launched the career of a lot of famous people, which um, you probably don't know all of them, but uh, Terry Christian started on them. Mark Lamar was on it. Um, oh, okay. Danny Bear. Yeah, Danny Bear, Amanda Decadene, Katie Puckrick, among others, they all hosted it. And it was a really loud brash in your face. But it also, if I'm correct, it had the first UK performance of Oasis and Nirvana. So it was quite... You know, it's quite a big show at the time, even though it was like 11 o'clock or, or midnight on a Friday night. So like I said, I'm just trying to set the scene that it was quite influential at the time because of the kind of show it was. And it was almost like the first of that type of thing being the, I want to say laddish, but it wasn't necessarily catering for a male audience. But it was that kind of really, uh, to want a better word, spunky kind of in-your-face program. So having said that, that it had all these first and it was quite important in terms of how it set off certain tv shows for a period of time i think it was about a year within its runtime they had a section called the hopefuls okay i actually remember seeing them and it stuck with me so what we're talking about 19 years later are we talking about yeah and it still stuck with me some of these things um, no actually what yeah yeah I can't, I can't add up. No, it's 30 years later, isn't it? So it's always 30 years later. Some of this has stuck with me. So the hopefuls were, they had normal, sort of air quotes, normal people come on. And the premise and the line they said was, I would do anything to be on TV. My word, that was never truer than on this <laughs> show. Now, I'm going to start with some of the more, the ones that we think are going to, you know, aren't as outrageous now because we see them on other shows. But again, remember, I'm a celebrity. I don't know. When did it start? Are we saying the 2000s? Probably I'm a celebrity. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So bear in mind, this predates that then by at least sort of nine to ten years, right? So you had a man eating sheep's testicles, a woman sitting in a bath of maggots, a woman eating sheep eyes, someone, I couldn't remember if it was a man or woman, wearing sandals full of dog poo, basically dog <laughs> shit. They put sandals and make them wear it. Then it kind of starts up in the ante a couple of times. So they had a man lick an old age pensioner's foot on live on TV. <laughs> they had a man snog a fish. A woman taking a bath in horse manure and urine. Horse urine. <laughs> These are the ones that I actually remember. These are the, the next ones are the ones that stick in my head. So they had a man snogging. A grandma, when I say grandma, I think she was around 70 in her 70s. They had him full on snogger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had another guy. As, oh, you got to remember, these are all, I think these are all people in like their 20s. These weren't like young, like either impressionable teenagers. These are people in their early 20s, I think, who just wanted to be on TV. You had a man drink pint of his own vomit. Right. Yeah, so basically, as, yeah, yeah, <laughs> as he says, he, as he says here, he chundered into a pint glass and then had to put down what came up. Number two on this list was 
a man, uh, this was a 20-year-old at the time, I've got some details of this, had to eat a pubic hair sandwich. Right. Yep. Basically, he had to nibble his way through a handful of hairy things on crackers. Well, it says sandwich, but yeah, basically it's crackers, cream crackers with pubic hair on it. Then the other one, the final one I've got written here was um, basically it was a woman from Devon. who. So they had, you know, an overweight man who I think had been either running on a treadmill or cycling on an exercise bike to get him really sweaty. And I think if if I remember right, she then stuck her finger in his belly button and then sucked her finger to basically <laughs> lick his sweat. She was basically scooping the sweat off of the inside of his belly button and licking her finger. And I kind of put this in because I think whilst the, like I said, the the ones I listed at the start, like the eating sheep size and, and sitting in maggots feel quite quite okay by today's standards because we do have I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out Here and things like that. I think the things like the licking the man's foot the snogging the grandma, the the drinking your own puke, the pubic hair sandwich, and the licking the sweat of an overweight person's belly button. It's just, it's 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 degrading, isn't it, and humiliating. Yeah, yeah I agree. And and I don't think we'd ever be able to to get anywhere. And what you got to remember, this was as well Channel Four. Now I know Channel Four has always been seen here for you know anyone who who's not aware of Channel 4, it's, it's kind of been seen as a slightly, before cable and satellite come along, it was a slightly edgier channel. Yeah, yeah, always. I still think this pushed the limit, especially in a show which, like I said, was getting these big bands on and were having their own shocking moments in terms of some some of the bands that coming on and the, the guests who were being drunk and like the swearing and stuff like that. This just felt... It is degrading. It's trying, like I said, especially when it proceeded with saying something like, "Hi, I'm Joe from Swindon, and I'd do anything to get on TV." Yeah. And then the downing view, and it, it is just it's it's that level of we're trying to humiliate you. Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. This was a show predicated around the humiliation of the people that were competing. The thing is, it's not even competing because it's not even a competition. It was just a that was a film segment. Sorry, with and it was then put into the shows so or it was a little bit done live it they weren't going to win anything it was they weren't guaranteed fame i don't even think any of them probably did go <laughs> on to any sort of fame other than maybe 10 minutes in the newspaper the next day yeah that's um, what the horrific thing is isn't it is like you you wouldn't even use that as a claim to fame and you'd probably be really embarrassed if you were on that now exactly and you know you do want i, I always think a yardstick of of things is would you look back on it and be proud of what you've done yeah, that's a good example. That's a really, really good good example. The fact though that it did have, uh, I've got it here, yeah, Nirvana, it was the in, Nirvana's international debut of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And actually on the time, so that that was a, had a bit of a shocking moment, not not like for what we're talking about, but he declared at the time Courtney Love to be the best fuck in the world on the show. <laughs> you had a, a female singer guitarist remove her jeans and underwear during the performance. Um, so she was fully full frontal nudity. There's a TV debut of Oasis playing Supersonic. Rage Against the Machine were playing Killing in the Name, which resulted in a stage invasion. So it had its own moments anyway. And this just felt like whilst that you could argue was chaotic program and it invited chaos. This just oh. felt untasteful or distasteful sorry like i said the eating the pubic hair sandwich i mean 
Probably, I, I don't know. Now, maybe that with with the crazy trends we see on TikTok and stuff, maybe you would get fame. But back then, I think you would have been ridiculed. I mean, like I said, it was it was eleven o'clock on a Friday night. That's not even it's it's not prime time. It's just like yeah, like you said, it is the people that are like the pissheads after the pub that are watching. Like I said, I think it's the ones with specifically with the people. I mean, if you want to snog a fish, that's your issue. But yeah, licking, oh, that was it. Yeah, the licking someone's false teeth, licking a pensioner's false teeth. So if I remember right, I think it was an old an old guy. I think he takes the false teeth out there and then and gives them to the guy for him to lick. And I don't know, maybe some people might think, well, I, you know, that's not bad. I'd do it. I, I just think because this predates all these shock shows like Jackass and yeah. the ones we had over here. And, and it was just, I, I think, like I said, the few I mentioned about the licking the sweat, the pubic hair, drinking the puke, and the, the snog, the, the the grandma, and the licking the foot, I think is, yeah, it's just distasteful. And like I said, I don't think any shows probably would, no, not any mainstream, like main TV channels would go, go near that now. Yeah, I don't know how you'd like get consent to like get people to sign up for that sort of thing as well, because like nowadays TV companies are really heavy with that sort of thing. So I feel like it's just not something that you could put on television. I just feel sorry for these people because if if they were just had waited another ten years or or, may, or if they were born like ten years later, they would have had TikTok, Facebook, yeah. <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, and they would have been famous. Bless them. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Like nowadays, they could have got famous for dancing to some little baby, but instead they decided to eat their own vomit and got fuck all. <laughs> or just bobbing their head to a song on on TikTok, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like fully one of those situations where it's like a guy's like, I drank a pint of my own vomit, and all I got was this shit T-shirt. <laughs> and some and some little kid as his brother uh, as his brother Charlie bite his finger and they become millionaires. <laughs> oh my god, that's another one. The most unreal. Uh, that's a great episode. That is like unlikely superstars, like unlikely internet superstars. All right, it's going up on my board. Within it, no, say no more. Say no more. I will finish it by saying again. I know it does sound weird, but it it does stand weirdly. It does stand out as like a fairly influential show in terms of the it being like a a show aimed at a young audience with yeah. like a mature theme, but having some proper standout moments, like I said, with the bands. I think you said it once on one of our shows. Were they high or something in a room when they came up with an idea <laughs> and said, yes, I did, let's just do it. To me, it, it also links back to reality TV show that you could argue that this is almost like the precursor to people wanting to do anything, well, like they said themselves, to humiliate themselves to get on TV. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's like you're playing on the desperation of a person. And I think that's where the problem with these TV show comes in, TV shows come in. So I feel like to an extent, when you look at like I'm a celebrity nowadays, it's different because it's celebrities, you know, it's for entertainment, you know, there's always going to be a limit in reality to what they're doing. There's specialists that are around them to make sure they're not hurt. And in reality, if the celebrities can't take part, they're exempt from these things yeah so it's very very controlled whereas that is just something that wasn't and it was done for the purposes of humiliation whereas with this it's like celebs trying to build their personal profile because they're like falling off a little bit or whatever it might be you know it's 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 a little bit different and there will be one other thing sorry i say so if this was 93 95 i think sky came out 88 89 over here but it wasn't necessarily massive then so you, you've got to remember, I think this was then when we had really like four straight five main channels. People weren't necessarily exposed to hundreds of TV channels. They didn't have, you know, Freeview. We didn't have YouTube, etc. So 
it was for a large portion of the population. And again, we had a definitive kicking out time in the pubs. I think that was like half 10 or something it might have been then. So you, you would have had a huge section of the population watching this just because yeah. it, there wasn't much else to, to do. So yeah, the word, like <laughs> I said, though, check it out. It's it, it really does have a great theme tune in your face by White State. I've got to say that for any music fans. So there you go. <laughs> Well, that gives us kind of like a nice transition into my first one. So my first TV show is American, famous for one particular host. Um, and I imagine that you would have seen this. So my first is Fear Factor. Okay. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, Joe Rogan, I always remember distinctly just being the host that was like shocked and and like bemused at like what people were going, like what lengths they were going to. So do you remember the format at all of Fear Factor? I don't. I remember seeing some of it. I just don't remember how it went. Yeah. Um, so when it was originally aired, there was usually three men and three women who were pitted against each other. And it was usually just a variety of stunts. So the prize up for grabs was $50,000. Um, and then later on, the, it was like changed so that the people that were on the show actually knew each other. Um, what kind of dynamic they're going for, I don't know. But there was a number of controversy surrounding the television. So we talked a little bit about... Um, I'm a Celebrity, which has had in and of itself quite a lot of controversy surround it because of the use of live animals and that sort of thing. Um, it's been a bit more limited, but I'm going to run through some of the horrific things that they made people do and also some of the ideas that were rejected. So one of them was eating a blended rat. Oh. So again, like the, the, the rat was dead um, before being thrown in the blender, but I guess the imagery of seeing a carcass of an animal being blended on television only for someone to then drink it was horrific yeah. at the time. And funnily enough, I'll read you some um, um, a little bit about the co this controversy specifically, <laughs> because a part-time paralegal in the States sued NBC $2.5 million for airing the show, claiming that he felt so disgusted from watching the stunt that his blood pressure rose to the point he felt dizzy and lightheaded and subsequently vomited. He said his disorientation was so severe that he ran into a doorway and seriously injured himself. Jeez. Honestly, unbelievable. The case was eventually thrown out on the grounds of like the First Amendment, but it was obviously a horrific thing for people to witness. Because again, even on, do you know, like, um, I'm a Celebrity... Whilst you see them eat like a pile of worms or something, it's not like, oh God, what's it? Like sadistic for the sake of sadism, if that makes sense. It's like the whole principle of blending a carcass up on TV for people to watch feels a little bit more sadistic, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's going definitely for that shock value. Yeah. I mean, what's the fear of that? I, I sort of fear it should be something scary, something you know put live 100 live rats on you but yeah. to blend that up is more about you're just trying to disgust people yeah again and and this is the thing when it came to fear factor because there were challenges that were like underwater or or ones that had like time pressure i remember them being like on moving cars and that sort of thing but all of the eating ones just seem as horrifically disgusting as they can possibly be for the sake of being controversial and disgusting so another one was that they had to <laughs> this one's so grim so basically, this one's just basically. So they had to use a shovel to to fling a roadkill onto a target painted on the ground, and based on how close to the centre of the target they got, they then had to eat a portion of the roadkill. So hitting a bullseye meant that you didn't need to eat any. Hitting a like 
inner circle right. meant that you needed to eat yeah. a small portion. And they just put it on a plate in front of these contestants. Some of them actually did immediately pull out because they weren't um, uh, willing to do it. Um, but you can watch this on YouTube and they were forced to eat it with their hands. And again, it's like roadkill. It's like guts and like making some, again, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's just a strange challenge in and of itself. Like the whole concept doesn't make sense to me. Like, again, at least with the I'm a celebrity thing, the challenges are loosely related to being in the jungle. Whereas this is just, let's find some dead animals, a carcass for them to then have to eat on TV. And bear in mind, all of these things were raw. So it's like they've blended uh, up a yeah, raw rat. Yeah. They've turned around yeah. and got a raw yeah. dead animal carcass. And then they're forcing people to gag and throw up on it. It's just horrific. Like, honestly, I mean, like I said, I love yeah. a bit of I'm a Celebrity, or I did at least a little bit. Um, but this just feels really different because it's intentionally trying to, like, torture someone for the sake of a cash prize. And again, what I would say on that is, you know, because some people would say, well, if, if people eat meat, then they should also have to see the reality of it, if you know what I mean. But yeah. for me, there's two things at play here, right? One is this doesn't feel like it's something in Fear Factor. Again, it should be gag factor or disgust factor. It, it, it's not fear. It's not putting someone 200 feet up in the air and telling them to walk over a tightrope. Yeah. So there's the element that it feels like, again, it's just trying to, you know, not degrade. Degrade might be the right word, but it's trying to, make somebody appear weak on tv because they, they don't want to eat something that's just been scraped off a road and like you said eat raw yeah the other thing for me is it feels really tacky doesn't it right yeah we're going to pick up this dead animal yeah and let's fling it at a target and then which, which wherever it lands that depends on which bit we eat yeah i agree and that's what it is is for me like all of the challenges are just trying to make something grim as like as grim as grim can be because Eating in and of itself like a dead animal or like making them eat a rat that's cooked or whatever it might be isn't in and of itself. It's still a difficult thing to watch because most people wouldn't do it. But it's not making it like horrific for the sake of the entertainment, if that makes sense. And again, this one, you wouldn't think the next one I'll talk about in and of itself isn't terrible. So milking a goat was one of the challenges. Right. Except, okay. except they had to milk the goat with their mouth then spit the, the milk into a glass and then drink the glass of milk when it was full. Yeah, like, that, that's, You turned yeah. something that just wasn't a thing into trying to make it as disgusting as it can possibly be. And again, I see it as like a little bit of a humiliation thing because it's like, again, with the it's celebs... It's a sexual I think it's, thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like the celebs have kind of, on I'm a Celebrity, know what they're going in for. They can pull out at any time. People on this are actually going in for a proper cash prize that they might need, knowing that they're willing to do way more than celebrities ever would do. And the image of them sucking on a goat udder is going to be there forever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, again, it's a little bit like the one where they're like getting them to the, the show that you've just talked about in the segments that you've just talked about, where it's like, how can we humiliate these people and, and make this as grim as possible? If we go back to the first couple, like, I'm not necessarily saying it makes it any better, but I think also from an audience perspective, say like the the rat one, did you say the rat was going to be blended on air that you would actually see it? Yeah, yeah. So the rat was blended. It was it was already dead, but it was blended on air. I almost think that that is just then more to add the shock value to the, the viewer because on I'm a Celebrity, when they do have like, they have to eat animals and things like that, it's not like they're doing anything with the animal there and then. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like I said, I'm not necessarily saying it's any better, but would it change it if they bought out the concoction rather than doing it live on on camera? 
Yeah, but also again, like, and, and this is the thing because I think there's a fine difference. So, in in whilst I, again, I, I used to enjoy it, but don't now. I'm going to be give a bit of a defence, like the I'm a celebrity principle, because even the foods that they eat there are traditional delicacies of particular regions. That's why they use the animals that they use, because it's like the fermented egg is actually a delicacy that they have and eat in particular parts of Australia or the world or whatever it might be. So to me, there's like a form of legitimacy there, whereas no one's blending fucking rats in a blender. And so I saw somebody comment on it and they were like, this is like the world's worst episode of Will It Blend? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing is, I'm a celebrity. They are never really going to make them do anything major. It's the the draw of that is seeing celebrities put into silly situations. Yeah, they'll be some will be scared of snakes or rats. And the food one, like you said, is because you want to see celebrities. Often they pick either the prim and proper ones or or like the the ones who are really mouthy. You're trying to bring them down a peg or two. Yeah, but the diff- like I said, with this one though, it's let's dangle money in front of desperate people for fame or for money, and yeah, like I said, let let's make them do silly things. I mean, I don't think any of these would fit under. If if you were to ask me what events would appear in a show called Fear Factor, I don't think I would even come anywhere near to saying those three. Yeah, I'd be like tightrope walking, maybe stuff to do with water and heights, but yeah, I wouldn't say blended <laughs> things. And then they did actually um, refuse one episode, and this was an episode centred around contestants drinking donkey sperm and urine. Oh, man. Like, which is just like, what what, like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, this seems like a version of Jackass that's like uncensored versus a game about people facing their fears to win a cash prize. So, yeah, I just don't think you'd ever get get away with it, at, at least in the way that the original TV show was broadcast, because they did bring it back for a couple of years. I mean, I think it was Ludacris that did the um, hosting okay. of the show, but it was never to the extent that it was in those original seasons where it was like truly the horrific shit. And you probably could find an entire compilation of Joe Rogan's facial expressions in in relation to watching people do these challenges as well. So he wasn't he wasn't a competitor. He was like a, a no. Joe tragedy. Rogan was yeah. Right. Joe Rogan was just like the host, the presenter of the show. But and yeah. I'm sure we must have had a crappy UK version of it. Yeah, I feel like we must have had like some sort of budget UK version, but I never read anything to in- into it because even when I was younger, I always used to watch the American repeats on British television. So whether or not there was a British one, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, it, I think what you've said there fits in similar to mine. That it just feels like exploitation, doesn't it? Ex- yeah. Or exploiting people who want to become famous or well i'm gonna say the money's probably what, what do you say do you say the price fund on that show yeah 50 grand was what the price was which is again i mean you know now now it's it's still a big prize now obviously but in the early 2000s that's an even heftier sum of money like 50 grand then was a lot it's a difficult one to say like where we say you couldn't do it because you do have things like i'm a celebrity but for me it boils down to on what you said they're making it into more of a spectacle with the whole act of blending with the whole act of playing a game with that carcass i think that is the really tasteless bit on that other than yeah. the fact they make them eat it it's a yeah we're playing we're playing a game with it yeah yeah i agree i agree pretty awful <laughs> the thing is i do remember seeing it but i don't remember anything like that like i said i thought it was all about maybe having them hold a poisonous tarantula or having them crawl over their face. I thought that's what it would be all about. (laughs) Right, I'm going to go on to my next one. Now, I'm going to say up front, this is quite 
a serious one. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this one is because it firstly it's from 1986 and I was kind of fascinated by the, the thing of taking again normal people and doing outrageous things with them and that it stretches to 1986. So I mean you know Noel Edmonds don't you? Yeah yeah. So for people who don't know Edmonds was probably like the king of evening entertainment wasn't he yeah yeah i would say so he did a lot of children's programs sort of in like the 80s and 90s and then in the 90s early 2000s he had a program on bbc one called like noel's house party where again it was a lot of fun and games and that's where mr blobby if, if anyone knows mr blobby that was that came from that show and then he then went on to do deal or no deal but in 1980 so, yeah, 1983 to 1986, he hosted a show called the Noel Edmonds Late Late Breakfast Show. So again, it was kind of like a variety show. It was a BBC One, and I'm going to guess it was early evening again. And there was a segment on it called the Give It A Whirl segment. So it featured normal people doing dangerous stunts. Now, there had already been concern over the show's uh, use of these stunts. So the BBC was twice threatened with legal action by a health and safety executive to stop stunts, such as plucking a member of the public from an exploding chimney by a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. So the BBC themselves described the stunts as some of the most daring feats ever seen on British TV. In 1983, a stunt driver fractured his pelvis and injured his head, neck and back after crashing 140 miles per hour during one stunt in an attempt to leap more than 230 feet in a car. And there was a woman in 1983 who broke her shoulder after being fired from a cannon. She would say the BBC don't give a damn, they just want viewers. Now, the one I'm going to talk about, it was actually is really sad and quite distressing. It was in 1986, and I'm not I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the person, but he was actually killed during first rehearsal for a stunt. Wow. So the show was called Hang 'em High, and it involved a bungee jumping from an exploding box suspended from a 120-foot-high crane. The carabiner clip attaching his bungee rope to the crane sprang loose from its bolt during the jump, and he died instantly upon impact uh, of multiple injuries. The show was cancelled two days later and he resigned saying he didn't have, no Edmund said he didn't have the heart to carry on. So obviously there was an inquest into it and it was a verdict of misadventure. The BBC made a payment of £120,000 to the person's family, while the coroner recommended that safety officers be on hand during any such future stunts. The reason why I say it is not to kind of, it's purely because Taking in what we're saying about extreme TV, the fact this was in the 80s, mid 80s, where they were doing things that I don't even think now people would like TV channels would have the, the inclination to do. And back then, doing a bungee jump off an exploding box, 120 foot in the air and having someone, a normal member of the public do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing, really, isn't it? It kind of feels though like the potential for someone to get injured is just the whole principle, isn't it? Like that's the draw. And that's like a really dangerous precedent to set. Like when you're setting really extreme stakes and ultimately, like whilst, again, it's like a terrible thing to say, the producers are probably sitting there being like, these controversies can only be good for us. Or like the prospect of a controversy will only be good for us. That's kind of the way that I imagine them looking at it. I'm not going to say, I'm definitely not saying that the BBC were, were intentionally 
put him or, or thought obviously they were going to put him at this risk. So in the inquest, they had a they had a professional stuntman look at it and saying that basically the safety measures around it were obviously shocking. There should have been more ropes. Um, there was no way for the guy to contact people on the ground if he wanted to pull out. And they also saying that while not contributed to the accident, he had wet boots, which would have been a safety hazard in and, in and of itself. So I, th I think rather than the two we've already mentioned where it's trying to humiliate people, I think this is trying to make regular people look heroic and stars, but yeah. it's like at, at what cost? And it's like you're just trying to up that ante. Yeah, yeah. People who aren't trained in it. Yeah, and this is a good example of where you get to that point and you go as far as you possibly can go. Like this is ultimately like consequence, isn't it? Yeah, and the fact that there had been warning signs with previous, so yeah, a, a guy a guy had broken his or fractured his pelvis, injured his head, neck and back. A, a woman broke her shoulder, and those were in what you would call I'll call rel relatively harmless one because you know seeing someone jump her in in a car that you've always seen stunts do that. Yeah, um, yeah. The fire from a cannon is like that almost like that comedy cliche tv thing yeah this this just felt if you if you were to explain it to someone it just feels dangerous just explaining it yeah yeah i agree i agree and you know what it's surprising that this is the bbc to me yeah but do you know what i guess this was 1983 to 86 i guess mm. nothing like this had probably been done before it's always a thing that it it's takes something bad to happen before rules get put in place right yeah this is probably very true very true i just think they got confidence from the fact they were doing these things and and getting away with it and so you know if there were people like i said I, i've got no idea how they were selected or if they volunteered to do it people probably are going to do if they see it and they can enter it people aren't necessarily get. I, I i think you're going to think nowadays anyway i don't know 40 years ago in the 80s if i'm going to apply to a, be on that tv they're not gonna let anything bad happen to me they yeah, can't be yeah, I, i'm gonna be the safest yeah, yeah and and yeah. i'm wondering if if that was the element of it so for me why i chose this is because it i found it amazing that yeah even that early on they were using non-professional people or non-celebrity people to do these risky stunts yeah and uh, yeah that that that's kind of what what amazed me and you know it's just a real shame what caused them to stop that that feature it, yeah you know, it's tragedy it's like bbc were trying to be channel four before channel four existed yeah like i said i can only think it was at, at a point of time where they were really starting to maybe push the boundaries of what yeah what they could do it's difficult to look back at it now because, you know, obviously, even though I don't remember this, uh, you know, I don't remember the show. I always remember hearing it discussed in radio shows and TV shows. And it's hard to put yourself in the mind frame of, of what TV was like in those days. But I think we probably have an idea for another type of episode where we can see how TV shows were, as I said, trying to push the boundary of what could or couldn't happen. And that's one's really crazy because you feel like you'd still hear about that today as like a controversy that was involved the BBC. But you, I've never heard that before. Something's gone very, very quiet. Yeah, I guess because one, it is so long ago. And two, because it probably is so, so tragic. Lessons have been learned. They don't do this anymore. And, and like I said, I, I, I was reminded of it because I was listening to an old radio show from probably 2019. 
so it is like i said it is discussed you're probably not going to see it on main channels anymore because it's so in the past now i think yeah yeah that's fair yeah it's crazy as well because 125,000 pounds at the time what would that be nowadays that's probably like close to eight nine hundred thousand pounds i would imagine the bbc itself were only fined two thousand pounds really so after the inquest let's have a look they said the bbc was prosecuted in court the hsc so that was the health safe health and safety executive explained the stunt would not have been rehearsed by any professional without an airbag in case of falls and the stunt experts had told him that even professional rehearsals should have taken weeks rather than days mm. exonerated the program's visual effects designer had taken a high standard of safety and doubled that to ensure it was doubly safe however he explained the show's producer had only discussed the stunt the stunt with the safety officer by telephone and reiterated that the safety officer was not present at the rehearsal. The escapologist retained as Lush's trainer was only experienced with theatrical tricks and had not performed the stunt required from the show. Uh, the BBC was fined the maximum amount of £2,000 plus costs. Um, the magistrates chose not to refer to the Crown Court where there would have been an unlimited penalty. So, yeah. Sad, very, you know, very sad, so. Yeah, that one's actually really quite depressing, I feel like you've brought. I really was undecided about it. I just think it does show that there is a duty, you know, these TV programmes, and, and now it's almost a different sense. It's for mental health more so than physical health, but I think there's got to be a far greater duty of care because we've seen that go by the wayside, the mental health debate with recent uh, reality shows, right? Yeah, well, I was going to lead into the next one, but just when it comes to physical health, what programme was it that was in a load of trouble? That ski jump one on BBC. Was that yeah, on BBC? the jump. It was called yeah, the jump. The jump. Channel like, 4 again, I think. Oh, was that Channel 4? Yeah, well, like celebrities yeah. were like legitimately breaking bones every other yeah. week. And I just thought to myself, I was like, how long can this go on for before someone actually dies? Because, again, in all the years of I'm a Celebrity, it's been so well done that there's never been a major injury, I don't think, ever on that show. Apart from, like, you know, somebody gets bitten by a rat or a snake or something. But they've got people that are there to deal with it. And it's minor comparatively. But with that programme, it's like actively that was a news story, which, again, I kind of think feeds into, like, the way that they want to present the programme as, like, legitimate danger. Sorry bringing it down, but like I said, I just think it just highlights that participants should or audiences should be careful of almost like there's a duty on the audience although you go along with it you don't know you see it on tv you just presume it's going to be safe yeah. and the producers there's definitely got to be a duty of care both physically and i think in the modern day of mental health to contestants and participants yeah yeah well again my next one kind of leads on with what you've just said um because my next show was going to be something that was cancelled relatively recently that is the Jeremy Kyle show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this has become more controversial, obviously, in modern times, because there's a number of um, high profile events that have basically come from the Jeremy Kyle show. Now, how would you kind of describe the Jeremy Kyle show to like an American that might be listening to this? I kind of say it's like the equivalent of like a Dr. Phil or a Jerry Springer type thing. I say Jerry Springer, but a lot less a lot less violent <laughs> yeah so jeremy a lot jeremy less springer, over the top yeah yeah jerry springer is kind of like set up for them to like have fights and i feel like they're it's a bit manufactured that program i feel like the people that are there are kind of probably briefed or like actors whereas the jeremy kyle show 
is set up to do what really to kind of like expose relationships within families that are like just generally like embarrassing situations like this person's cheated on their partner with this person infidelity, who down the road. yeah yeah and drug, trying to maybe um almost like interventions probably for some people you know for drug abuse and things like that I, yeah I like kids it? not being like the the fathers that think that their dad's not being kids to the to children that they've been raising i didn't watch it too often because it was always like daytime but the, from what I remember, there was always a DNA test involved. Every episode had yeah, the results yeah. of a DNA yeah, test. Didn't it? Yeah. Um, the problem with the Jeremy Carl show is, again, that they had a particular type of person who went on the Jeremy Carl show, didn't they? And that person was typically somebody who was from a lower economic background, somebody who, and, and, and the show was set up, because Jeremy Carl in and of himself is actually an intelligent bloke, but the show was set up for him to just take the piss out of people who really couldn't defend themselves. Yeah, yeah, because they would no doubt they they were put up in a hotel, given probably money for expenses and to have a night out. Yeah, and 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 that's kind of was what the premise of the show was. Like, there's inherent like li- there's again you can look all of this up on YouTube, but there's literally hundreds of clips of the Jeremy Kyle show where it's Jeremy Kyle talking about how somebody's like got more kids than teeth while they're literally sat in front of them. Do you know what I mean? That was the extent of like what the 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 kind of show was. Um, it became controversial, obviously, recently because there was a suicide that was linked to the Jeremy Kyle show, um, which was a huge, huge um, controversy and actually led to the show being cancelled. Now, when I look at how long the Jeremy Kyle show actually ran for, it was originally released in 2005 and it had 17 series until 2019. Which to me is fucking crazy because whilst you occasionally saw the odd episode of Jeremy Kyle, it was never something that I would regularly tune into. It was never something that I knew anybody to regularly watch. Um, and again, it was kind of all set up around the basis of like relationship sex addiction as well was a big one. They used to get like drug yeah. addicts on um, and then basically talk to them about how they were just going to die tomorrow. They said that they had like huge aftercare teams and that sort of thing, but Um, there were guests that obviously spoke out about the show afterwards and in actual fact there was um, an altercation on the show that led to a court case but one of the contestants not one of the contestants one of the people on the show actually being charged with luck and assault as a result of them attacking someone on the show and the judge in the case turned around and described the program as human bear baiting and I think that that's probably the best way you could probably describe that program yeah, I agree. And I think to answer your, your 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 point about the 17 years of it or 17 series, I think it's just because it was daytime TV and that was never necessarily a massive audience. So it just got enough. It was probably popular enough at that time because it was yeah. probably something people had on in the background. And I heard I heard the kind of program, like you said, it definitely attracted a certain sector of society. And it is, what did you say it was baiting? Bear baiting. No, I thought you were going to say something similar because there was another program that seemed to be quite popular over here. Did you ever watch it? Uh, Can't Pay or We'll Take It Away? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It centres around... It's not bailiffs as such. Is it bailiffs? I think, I think it they is are, bailiffs. They? Yeah, yeah, they are bailiffs because they go with, like, court orders and stuff, don't they? So it follows a firm of bailiffs and each episode features one or two sets of people where they're going in to, well, reclaim the goods. Now, often, a lot of these people... Some of them are like tenants who are basically taking the piss out of the landlords or whatever, but yeah. a lot of them are obviously people in dire straits. 
and it was described and and this term has stuck with me as poverty porn yes oh my god yeah yeah and i feel the same thing with potentially some of the audience were watching jeremy kyle or jerry springer not saying necessarily these people were, were poor but you know what i mean it's almost like we attach the word porn like horror porn and stuff like that and that term poverty porn for can't pay will take it away had stuck with me yeah but a beautiful way to describe it yeah i agree 100 percent. and that's actually another show but also like jeremy jeremy kyle used things on the show as like a form of legitimacy which you'd never see so they always use polygraph tests didn't they yeah, the lie detector test. Yeah, and it's just like these are ninety nine point nine percent accurate. Well, Jeremy, if they were ninety nine point nine percent accurate, we'd just put every fucking criminal in one of our courts on one, then, wouldn't we? Yeah. But they're not. They're horrifically inaccurate. And what you're doing is again, you're like baiting people into believing a narrative when it might not be the narrative because there wasn't an episode of that show where there wasn't controversy for whatever reason. Like they had, again, every situation was manufactured based on the people's circumstances. So they then presented the alternative, which was like, ah, oh, oh, this brilliant like story where we're going to help these people and this is the family that's going to help. But that was to turn around and counteract the fact that on the same episode, they've turned around and told a dad that he's not the dad to the kids that he's been raising. Yeah, or yeah. they've told somebody that they've been cheating on this person, or they've turned around and exposed an addict for being an addict to their family or, or whatever that might have happened. And, it, and like, there were so many like things that came from that show. Like I'll never forget as well. Like it was a, a clip that went viral for ages and it was like, Oh, she used a, a Kit Kat wrapper as a condom. Did you ever remember that clip that circulated on I social media? I think I media? heard it in like the papers the next day or I saw it in the Yeah, papers. honestly. And again, it's like stuff like that that was like plastering, like again, and, and this is what the problem was. For me, it was just an opportunity for Jeremy Kyle to be an arsehole and turn around and yeah. manipulate people who he evidently knew were easy to manipulate. Because again, like I said, the, the people that were on this show came from a a, a particularly low socio economic background. That's just what they were. They were poor. And the reason that they were going on this show is because, like, oh, we're going to give you a polygraph test and DNA testing, which costs thousands of pounds, but you'll be able to find out with us in exchange for all of the dignity which we're going to steal away from you on this show. I also think the element of appearing on TV is is attractive probably to them and like i said I, i'm pretty certain they get a cup, probably a couple of nights in a in a hotel paid for by itv a little bit of perceived fame but what i was gonna say two things is you know we mentioned jerry springer but what i would say for all the the outrage and the over the topness of the jerry springer show to be fair to him he didn't or not overtly anyway wasn't almost trying to goad yeah the the participants whereas jeremy kyle would really sneer at them wouldn't he and he'd yeah. get really angry and really lay into them and yeah. often it was at the quote unquote bad party the bad person of whatever the debate was but he yeah. would really lay into them whereas jerry springer would be right at the back of the audience just saying the odd comment and letting the people whether you think that's better or worse yeah yeah i do think also that with all these shows so like uh, Jeremy Cole, Jerry Springer. I don't know what that Dr. Phil one's like. I remember seeing a couple of episodes of it. I do think people, again, there's a voyeuristic element of the audience or the people watching saying, oh, you know, I'm glad that's not us kind of thing. And I think yeah. that's probably yeah. why it stayed popular. To, to link into like that poverty porn, it's like looking at people that aren't you. 
if you yeah, know yeah yeah I agree and 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 you know what as well there's been actually further um, instances of where like judges and and have, have commented on this and again this one is is a really good example so um, this was again a case that led to criminal charges being made against a person so it was about infidelity and a man basically assaulted his female partner and there are criminal charges that were being made against the the man the woman actually sustained a shattered eye socket and cheek on and cheekbone and bite marks which is crazy to think yeah. in, in any case that he's done that but the judge did say there's plainly an element of cruelty and exploitation in what takes place on the programme. And both the couple must have suffered considerable mortification and embarrassment. And that's actually how the, the show was presented. That was what the intention of the show was. It was to just create the most horrific sense of embarrassment for the people that were on it as humanly possible, I think. Oh, and that's it. And you saying that has reminded me of one of the points I was thinking of is, and again... I don't know how other shows do it. I'm sure there is all an element of this. But what I remember about the Jeremy Carl show is they would bring out the person, person A or person A and B, and the other person who they were complaining about would be backstage watching yeah. it and they would leave them there getting fuming and you could yeah. see them getting angry and angry because yeah. they haven't got a right to reply. So by the time they let that person out, yeah. nine times out of ten, they're going right up into the face of the other people, shouting at them, pointing yeah. the fingers, and that that anger is already built up to boiling point. So it's 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 a slight, it's it's a really well played manipulation on the part of the producers, I think. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. The intention of the show was to get someone to throw a punch at another person because that's why they had the like Big Dave or whatever the bloody bouncer was. <laughs> Do you remember that huge bald dude who was on that yeah, show? Yeah. Like played the bouncer. The reason Steve, that he's I think, wasn't it? yeah Steve, Steve, security Steve, <laughs> and the reason that he's got a character is because they're playing into that fact. Because in reality. You would never see security in an instance if, if this show was really about turning around and helping people's lives, would you? There'd be no need for them to be physical, to be there and have a presence. You don't see fucking security on, on display on the X Factor, do you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It might actually be, Steve might be the one in Jerry Springer, because I was going to say, even the security guy in Jerry Springer, the bald guy there, he, he, was, he became famous in his own right. So it says a lot where, like, the security guard on a show is as famous as the presenter yeah you have to be looking at what is the intention why do we know that like no one knows the name of the security guards who are on set of the x factor or fucking i'm a celeb because again there must be security things but they have set it up in a particular way and so um again leading into the um the program actually being pulled it's because a former guest on the show um committed suicide and the appearance on the show had actually only been filmed the week before um, but it hadn't been aired yet so people turned around and said is there a link but you know what happens on the show you know that the person's had the humiliation of being on it yeah. in front of a live tv audience right we have to not forget you know unless there's adequate aftercare which they always turned around and said that there was but again there's been so many testimonies of people saying it's been utterly shit after the show like you have to appreciate that these are horrific things. Like if you are actually talking about addiction or infidelity or or like relationships or kids not being yours, whatever it might be, they're traumatic things at the best of times in your own home with no fucking live audience around you. So this is the thing. I just think that again, if you're going to film shows like this, they actually need to be for a positive purposes. And and that's the thing. If Jeremy Kyle show had one instance of someone getting punched in its seventeen series. And there was never any like 
um, and they turned around and showed you what had happened with a couple potentially six months down the line, you'd look at that and say, well, that's genuine because it's aftercare. They've turned around and showed us where this person's fought their addiction or this person's done this. But it wasn't like that. It was like, let's get them on for half an hour, 45 minutes, take the piss out of them, they can fuck off. Yeah, what I will say is kind of like the one, the previous one for me with the BBC is, I'm not going to say that the intention was for them to get a punch up. I think the absolute intention is there is to get that compelling TV, which comes from embarrassing or putting a person in an awkward situation with the family, knowing full well that spark's going to fly. I also... um, I'm sure that, you know, not every episode was like that. I think some were genuinely helpful. And I think where they could, they probably did help people. But one of the things I remember hearing or reading is that you can offer aftercare to people, but then if the people don't want to take that up and they might be so angry or upset that they refuse to accept it, yeah. then all that's left is the embarrassment of being on there. And and like I said, could you imagine the fact that that episode hadn't aired is irrelevant because I think the pressure would have been the fear of that episode airing was probably worse than if it had already gone out and seen it. Do you know what I mean? Could you imagine how that how the person must have felt waiting for it to be yeah. out? Knowing yeah, it's like the inevitability, go. isn't it? And I think that's probably what ratcheted up the stress level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For me, the final thing on that is, you know, we did have a spate of programs like that. I remember when Jerry Springer first came over to the show and it was at the time it felt like fun because it was this really over the top thing from America that could never happen over here because we just don't do that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start getting the shows over here that did. You know, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm going to finish with a slightly lighthearted one. It's not necessarily in the great scheme of things. It's not necessarily outrageous or it's not overly shocking but again it's the the reason it'll become clear but the reason i picked this is because one it was a proper game show it was again channel four so we're getting a theme here for some of uh, the shows that, that have it <laughs> and channel four was also the home of big brother it only ran a year and it was presented by jimmy carr so again oh, wow. you know it's yeah proper game show and i, I I'm desperately trying to remember. I can't remember when it aired. I think it was an early evening thing. So I've got in my head that it was like 6 o'clock or 6.30. I could be wrong. But anyway, it was called Distraction, ran between 2003-2004. And the reason why I've included it, again, is because it's, again, normal people. But it involved them answering questions while being distracted in various bizarre, painful and humiliating ways, right? Right. There'd be four contestants, two men, two women, usually. And there was three rounds in an episode. Before the first round, they learn about each other's embarrassing moments, unique hobbies, strange talents, or unflattering occupations through questions asked to them by Carl. Then throughout the game, Carl would ask relatively simple questions that the contestants must answer while enduring these distractions. Now, these distractions may be inflicted throughout the round, automatically activated by a contestant in order to answer or as a result of the right or wrong answer. And at the end of each round, the lowest score, the person with the lowest score goes. Now, I remember seeing this and the sole reason I picked this one was for this one round. And again, this is what I'm saying about the, the embarrassing things. So they were put in a specially designed toilet. So imagine you've got four people. And all you see, I can't remember if you necessarily saw their feet, but you definitely, you saw the heads, but you didn't see anything else. And to buzz in, they would have to urinate in the toilet. Fucking hell. 
So if they urinated, it set off a buzzer. So, you know, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. But again, it's just that thing of, uh, yeah, do you know what I mean? Would you go on TV to be put on and to answer a question to buzz in, you'd have to urinate. I mean, I probably wouldn't be able to wee under that pressure. <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. Sometimes, you know, like let's be honest, like sometimes it's a little bit awkward, isn't it? Like, but but it's just, again, it's just it just it just makes me just ask the question, like fucking why, like why? A couple of the other things. So another one would be they would have to place something disgusting in their mouth, like a snail or a raw lamb testicle, after each correct answer. They would be shot with a paintball gun if they got a wrong answer, or whenever the opponent got a correct one but they wouldn't wear any protective equipment except for a crash helmet and a face shield so the rest of they didn't have any padding on the body some of them sound quite funny like this one being continuously body slammed onto a cushion mat by a professional wrestler i mean that's that sounds yeah, fun yeah yeah could yeah I'd, I'd probably quite enjoy I'd, I'd sign up for that yeah for yeah free. yeah yeah being shocked with an electric dog collar um when they buzzed in this one was so it must be in other countries. This was in the UK, Italy, and India only. Being placed in an upside down position and tickled on the soles of one's bare feet. Now, <laughs> I have also heard someone say that tickling is actually quite. If you think about it, it can be quite a distressing thing to someone because we know yeah. how bad that is. And if you're then tying them up and putting them upside down to tickle them, it is almost. There's a bit of a weird element around that. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I agree. And another one in the first round only, they would have to um, a self-inflicted distraction such as attaching clothespins to one's own face with bonus points awarded to the most successful contestant at the end of the round. Now, just to finish it off, the person, the last person who got through, they would often win like a car. But the the funny thing about this, say there was a car, they would then be asked, I don't know, say 10 questions. If they got a question wrong, they would have to damage part of the car. It might be they'd have to take like a baseball bat to the windshield or <laughs> they'd have to spray paint one of the doors with like green paint. Now, in the scheme of things, this isn't the worst program, but I picked it up purely because in my head, and I remember even at the time seeing it and thinking, my God, that's quite embarrassing, isn't it? Having to be in the toilet and pee. And the fact it was like a, basically it was like a proper game show <laughs> It wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't marketed as being like outrageous or anything like this. And and again, the fact it only ran a year probably says a lot. Again, it's just that thing about up in the ante and putting people in embarrassing or humiliating situations. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a little bit. It is a little bit more light-hearted, though. I think this one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a urinate one because do you not think when you're on the toilet, that's one of your most vulnerable moments almost it feels yeah, like yeah, you know what I mean? yeah yeah so to, yeah so to have that on it just feels weird on tv like i said you didn't see anything it wasn't it wasn't graphic but yeah i just i just thought i'd put it in because yeah i don't think you could get a game show like that now well or at yeah. least with the round like that or where you're asking them to inflict pain on themselves not not in the in the like I said, it was a Channel Four production with Jimmy Carr. It wasn't like a um again like a jackass or anything like that. So I I don't think you could have it done in the setup of that kind of you, you know you can see me I'm doing the air quotes proper show now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good one. <laughs> see, now, this is sad as well because I've got another one, but I feel like again like psychologically it was just a really shitty program for people to put out. Um, so I feel yeah. like I'm going to finish on like a bit of a depressing note. But I had super size versus super skinny. 
Well, I've not seen that. Yeah. Right, now, I kind of put this along the same lines. Do you know Embarrassing Bodies? And that's because, do you know that Dr. Christensen? Um, yeah. Again, for for the Brits listening, you'll know who Dr. Christensen is when I turn around and say the buff doctor with the, the hair that's like <laughs> the blonde slick back hair, basically. Um, but for any of, of, of our viewers in the States listening, um, he's like a celebrity doc, basically. I don't know what the equivalent would be in the States if they kind of have a program similar. Um, but the, the basis of supersized versus super skinny is you get two people with severe eating disorders. So basically one would be morbidly obese. But again, when I say morbidly obese, I mean like your 30 stone person. It, it's like really, really at an extreme point. And then you'd get someone who's basically suffering with anorexia. And that's what it was. And you put them together and you turn around and you basically strip them naked because they spend a lot of the show just in underwear looking at each other. And then there was like, I remember a segment at the beginning of the show where they'd have like a tube and whatever that person ate in a week would like come down the tube. So it's like, what do you have for breakfast? And it'd be like, you know, the person that's in the tube would have like just one piece of toast come down the tube. And then the person who was... um, the the one that was overweight or morbidly obese would have like six sausages with a full English breakfast and this and this and this. And the whole show was like predicated on putting people in challenging positions. But it's like people aren't ready for that. So it's like they put them on the show, then make them swap breakfasts and expect them not to be disgusted. It's like if somebody's got an eating disorder, they're not solving it on this show just because you've decided to switch the fucking breakfast that they're eating. So they give somebody who's 35 stone or 30 stone a glass of coffee for breakfast and then wonder why they're hungry it's like no this is also not useful because that's not how you would expect someone to lose weight and putting a full english in front of somebody who's anorexic or potentially anorexic is also not the way in which you'd get them to gain any weight and be a little bit like healthier in terms of do you know what i mean combating the issues that they've got it was just a really strange concept and in reality just set up to turn around and be like you're fat your anorexic do you know i mean that's that's just the way it was set up to be and it was set up as like a bit of a humiliation thing it's like oh you're eating this much every day or you're not eating this and either way it was like you're going to die because of x y and z but you're putting these people who have probably got further to the physical issues that they're suffering with psychological ones that are probably linked to the physical issues that they're yeah. suffering yeah yeah and you're putting them on blast on like national tv when in reality this is something that needs to be seen to by a professional not by a fucking tv doctor what I would say is that program has got two things I'd comment on. One is you've got a chance. You could be helping these people, right? Yeah. If if they bust to be on it, they, they want help. And you're doing it, like you said, in that way that, yeah. you know, it is, it is a, a what, what do you call it? It's, it's an attempt at embarrassment or forgetting that maximum shock factor for the viewer, isn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. And two, what I was thinking of when you were saying that is if you're doing that because you think you might be able to help people at home. No, because watching that is almost showing it as an embarrassment or a laughing thing. So I would, I would imagine the people at home who, who might relate to the people on it are probably horrified by how they're being treated or being perceived because you know, majority of people are in the press. They're going to not be taking that program seriously. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And that's the thing as well. It kind of just made a mockery of the person's physical health and mental health. So, and this is the thing Can again. Can I ask what channel that was on? Oh, God, you know what? I can't remember, but I imagine that's, that's on Channel 4. I have actually got the, the page up. Bear with me. Um, funnily enough, I think you can actually watch it on um, 
Oh, it's on Channel 4. Of course it was on fucking Channel 4. Yeah, I think you can watch so, it on Prime yeah. now. Because I think the episodes are on Amazon Prime. Um, so I would, I would honestly, I would give it a watch just to see what you think. Um, but I just remember that being a show where it's just all predicated on the basis of like, okay, vulnerable people, how can we take the piss out of them? And this is the thing, I think that the way that a show is set up is important because again, even with that show, it's like, what level of aftercare do these people actually get? Like, are you seeing them through to the end of these journeys, which we know are going to be year long journeys, two year long journeys, like, like a really long time. That can't be plausible. So they're not doing that. Who are you setting them up with? Like, where is the care afterwards? Again, it, it was just a really weird. Or even if they are supplying them with the aftercare, the program itself is probably not the right format for addressing the issue that's being addressed. Yeah. You know what yeah I mean? So, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is, you can't humiliate someone and then say, "But don't worry, we're going to give you the best aftercare after, but we're going to humiliate you on TV." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that last one has actually resounded with me in the fact that you could be helping the people on the show and you could be appealing to people at home, but I think you've lost a... Like I said, I, I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of them because I haven't watched it, so I don't know if there was then serious elements or if they, you know, if they offered helplines or anything like that. But I just think if you're watching it and your people around you are seen as a bit of a laugh or a talking point rather than a learning point, yeah, I think you've wasted the opportunity. In my mind, it comes across in the same way that Embarrassing Bodies does. Embarrassing Bodies is set up to be some sort of serious thing where we talk to you, but in reality, it's just like, right, they, you know that they're not just going to get somebody who's, you know that every episode, irrespective of what it is, somebody's going to walk in there and get their dick out because something, do you know what I mean? So again, yeah, yeah. whilst they might turn around and, and use it to be on the basis of, oh yeah, we've dealt with this person's rash. At some point, there was always something that was intended to be a shock. And that was why you watched it. So the reason for watching the show is what shocking one am I going to see? I don't care about somebody who's got a rash on their arm. I don't care about the person who's got a sore throat. I care about the person who's getting their knob out or who's getting, do you know what I mean? And that's what it was. It was, again, it's a show that to me, doesn't have any validity in what it's trying to do because it's set up in a particular way it's not like where you've got those programs what's it called like gps all hours or whatever where they literally yeah, just follow a 24 hours surgery. in a and yeah, 24 hours in a they literally follow a doctor's surgery and just get people to give like they get the people on the show to turn around and then talk about the experience on the show it's more kind of like of a documentary style as opposed to like the reality tv style because i feel like if you're doing anything medical and it's styled to be reality tv versus a documentary it's never going to come across well but what i will say is um what i said to my other half once when we were watching a program um that was looking at things from 20 30 years ago i wonder what they'll be saying about the programs we're watching now in 20 or 30 years yeah it'll be interesting so yeah join us in uh the year 2042 when we're doing a look back uh um, I was going to say something. So again, I, you know, like I, I wanted to say what we said at the start, we've highlighted shows that are shocking extreme, but also I think we're pointing out where they've absolutely gone wrong and what they can yeah. do better, right? I, I think that's that's what we're trying to do. Anyway, I, I think we should wrap up there now. So <laughs> We will leave it there. I'll see everybody out if I can get through this without coughing, um, like I've been pausing throughout this episode. Um, if you've got any other controversial or extreme TV shows that you feel like we didn't talk about that should have been mentioned, do let us know. You can pop us an email at casting views. Sorry, 
yeah, at castingviewspod at gmail.com or at castingviews on Twitter. We always love a comment. Also, leave a review if you've liked us, if you've hated us. After the episode that we discussed at the beginning, if you're listening to this afterwards and this goes out afterwards, you probably hate us. Um, but <laughs> we will have to wait for it to be seen. Um, and I'll leave you all with, we know there are many podcasts from which you can choose. And we thank you for listening to Casting Views. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed it. Come on, we